This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. All right. Summer at the movies. Who's ready? Who enjoyed last week? What was our movie? The Greatest Showman. Now, we had, like I said, we had, it was a good 85 people show up Wednesday night. How many of you saw Greatest Showman Wednesday night for the first time? Oh, quite a few. How many of you can admit that you, especially guys, how many of you can admit you kind of liked it? Oh, yeah, okay, see, it's all right, that's good. We can, even we guys can enjoy a musical here and there. That's okay, right? You know, good for what? <laughs> you know, I always found musicals a little strange. I mean, when you're just talking to someone and all of a sudden you start singing to them. I, always, it made me a little uncomfortable. Angie says it happens at her house all the time. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I started last week talking about this. We started this summer at the movies. And part of this is just building community. We're getting together on Wednesdays and we're watching this movie together and just having a great time. And so I'm going to continue on. I was talking about how God can speak to us through anything, right? If we're open, if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, if we're sensitive, he can speak to us through anything. And I was talking about how many times Sean and I walk out of movies and we go, man, what a great message. Wow, one day I'm going to preach a message on that because of the great morals and themes and things that we see within it. So, you know, many times there are spiritual parallels because we see movies. Movies are modern-day parables, and there's spiritual parallels. We see somebody's life and what they experience, whether good or bad, and we can see the parallels in that. So let me uh, do the little disclaimer like I did last week. Again, I apologize for those watching online. Uh, we cannot show, um, we cannot stream movie clips. So um, during the clips, uh, we're just going to watch uh, four or five of them today. During those clips, the stage will just go dark for you, but you'll still hear, you'll still hear the audio. Do you want to see it? Come out Wednesday night. And uh, we will be showing it. Uh, we will be showing it here. But there, we don't have a. There's no license uh, to to do so. We would. Uh, they would take our video down very quickly if we showed uh, copywritten material uh, through the live stream. So, uh, the movie for this week is a true story, and uh, it was truly one of my favorite movies in the last two years. And uh, some of you have uh, probably seen it as well. But uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play the trailer right now. all gonna end up unemployed riding around in this pile of junk. You're welcome to walk the 16 miles. Oh, I'll sit in the back of the bus. Like you have identification on it? NASA, sir. NASA? I had no idea they hired There are quite a few women working in the space program. At least I can do is give y'all an escort. Three Negro women are chasing a white police officer down the highway in 1961. That is a God-ordained miracle. In 14 days, astronauts will be here for training. And we're shooting a human into space, and it's never been done before. With the launch of the Russian spy satellite, the president is demanding an immediate response. Running from the man. Space test group needs a computer. Catherine's the gal for that. She can handle any numbers you put in front of her. You and I are different from each other. This is about inventing the math. Because without it, we're not going anywhere. Yes, sir. That's John Glenn. What do you guys do for NASA? Calculate your launch and landing site. How could you be ogling these white men? It's equal rights. I have the right to see fine in every color. Oh, not, not found it. 
If you were a white male, would you wish to be an engineer? I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one. Yes, it's an uphill battle. Get it, girl. Yes, who else is playing? I don't know if I can keep up in that room. Just make that pencil move as fast as your mind does. You've been gone for 300 hours. It felt like it to me, too. Colonel Glenn launches in a few weeks. We don't have the math figured out yet. There is no protocol for women attending. There's no protocol for a man circling the earth either, sir. Every time we have a chance to get ahead, they move the finish line. I need to be in that room hearing what you hear. Within these walls, who makes the rules? You, sir, you are the boss. You just have to act like one, sir. We have liftoff. We all get there together, we don't get there at all. In the fight of our lives, people. My gals are ready. We can do the work. More than 50 million Americans watching. I got a warning light. Go find Catherine. Colonel Glenn. There's a real fireball outside. It's getting a little hot in here. How many of you have seen Hidden Figures? What a great movie, isn't it? Man. I went through and did a little reading on the history because this is a true story. Uh, in 1943, the United States found itself in World War II, and uh, NASA needed mathematicians to crunch numbers for its engineers. So during that time, the Jim Crow laws mandated segregation between blacks and whites, and African Americans had to do what, with what they called separate but equal bathrooms, water fountains, parks, restaurants, and schools. So in Langley, Virginia, NASA recruited highly qualified female mathematicians, and during that time they called them computers because there were no such thing really as computers right yet, right? So they hired these female mathematicians called computers, and they hired them regardless of their color, and the organization housed its black computers in a segregated workspace called the West Area, which made, uh, made career advancement virtually impossible. And so World War II was being fought, and America was sympathetic to the Jews who were being imprisoned and tortured and killed in Europe, but this seemed very hypocritical because black Americans were being beaten and tortured and imprisoned for demanding their, uh, their rights, the rights that they were owed as American citizens. And so, for example, I was reading that in Virginia, there in Langley, Virginia, where they were, the restaurants there readily served enemy prisoners of war. This was during World War II. And some of these enemy prisoners were being kept in detention facilities, but the restaurants would serve them, but some restaurants still refused to wait on African-American West Area computers who worked for NASA, even though they worked in the service of the U.S. military. A little bit of a double standard. So today I'm going to talk, uh, talk about facing the trials of life. And uh, you may have also found in your service guide, if you would follow along, you've got a note sheet in there. We've also got the YouVersion Bible app. I know some of you use the Bible app on, on, your, uh, on your Android, on your iPhone, over on your tablet, whatever it is you may have. Uh, you can go there and go to events, and you will find all the notes already in there, ready to go for you, so you can follow along with the scriptures and everything. And so uh, if you're watching online, we encourage you to, to jump on and, and take advantage of that as well. So talking about... Facing the trials of life. i got four, four points I want to make today in regard to trials. And I'm going to go on, jump on in and give you number one, and you can write this on your note sheet. Number one, we will endure persecution, suffering, and tribulation. We will endure persecution, suffering, and tribulation. The Bible 
is absolutely clear about this. Absolutely clear. You know, we tend to sometimes think that we're exempt because we're believers. But with that, I'm going to go ahead and show the first clip from the movie, and then we'll continue on after that. Go ahead and show number two for me there. Skirts must be worn past the knee. Sweaters are preferred to blouses. No jewelry. A simple pearl necklace is the exception. Your supervisor is Mr. Al Harrison, director of the space test group. You'll write research, proof calculation, so forth. Do not talk to Mr. Harrison unless he talks to you. Not many computers last more than a few days. He's been through a dozen in as many months. Come on, keep up. Things move fast around here. Your clearance. They've never had a colored in here before, Catherine. Don't embarrass me. wasn't emptied last night. I'm sorry, I'm not the custodian. Excuse me, ma'am. Mr. Harrison's computer report. Take the desk in the back. I'll get you working in a bit. Mr. Harrison won't warm up to you. Don't expect it. Do your work. Keep your head down. Thank you. Go on. Get settled. Paul? Why are we still losing shingles off the heat shield? Uh, we're, we're working with a prototype of the capsule, Al. It's, it's one-third the size. I, I get that. So... What do we do with our million-dollar fan, Carl? Turn it down? No, I don't it, think. That was a joke. Paul, if the heat shield comes off, what do you think happens to our astronaut? I know. So we're gonna we're gonna come up with a solve, right? Uh, yes, sir. We're working on it. Ruth, what's the status on that computer? She's right behind you, Mr. Harrison. Does she handle analytic geometry? Absolutely. And she speaks. And she speaks. Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Don't we love that? This is a promise. You know, it's funny, we as a spiritual church, we love to claim God's promises. God, I thank you that you say I am more than an overcomer, I am more than a conqueror. We don't ever say, God, I thank you that you promised me suffering. And I'm going to go through trials and tribulations. Yeah. We don't usually do that, do we? Many of the afflictions of the righteous. Actually, Catherine Goebel, she's Catherine Johnson now. Actually, she's still alive. Uh, she's 99. She will be 100 years old in, uh, in August. She's still alive and very much, a, very much a Christian. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Why do we suffer? Why do we suffer? Why do we suffer trials and afflictions? I think one of the 
primary reasons is the fact that we live in a fallen world. You know, the world that we live in is hostile to God. It's hostile to the message of the gospel. And since God is love, since he is the basis and the source of morality, sin is going to ensue, right? There will be chaos. Sin will abound. And, of course, we know, too, sometimes we suffer because we make bad decisions in life, right? We suffer the consequences of those things. We've all done it many times. We say, get thee behind me, Satan. I rebuke you. Well, sometimes you just need to make a right decision, right? And then on top of that, I will say there is an enemy, and he is trying to kill you. He is trying to steal from you, and he is trying to destroy you. So there's going to be trials in life. Regardless of what the origin is, we as Christians will be confronted with difficult times. And it's just false teaching that Christians are exempt from the hardships of living in a fallen world. That or it's ignorance. Romans 5 verses 3 through 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Everybody say glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we glory in suffering because we know that it produces perseverance. Isn't that one of those things that like your parent would say to you? You go to complain about something, they're like, oh, that it builds character, son. You're like, man, you just want to say, be quiet, Dad. What's wrong with you? Right? God's saying here, oh, suffering, oh, yeah, you're going to experience it. But it builds perseverance and character and hope in your life. I looked up perseverance and what it meant. We all kind of have this idea of what perseverance means. But I looked up synonyms of perseverance the other day. Perseverance means grit, resolve, drive, persistence, resolution, determination. And it says this produces character in our lives. And these together produce hope in our lives. And, you know, it's funny because these are the qualities that we respect in people. These are the qualities that you see in people that movies are made about, right? People who have these characters, this perseverance, this character, this hope in their life. We know their stories because they have these qualities. And we want these same things too. The problem is, where do they start? With suffering, isn't that lovely? It's like people who are like, I'm just believing. I want to see God do a miracle in my life. Really? You know, usually when you need a miracle, you're in bad shape. <laughs> right? That's usually when you need a miracle, when things are bad. We don't want to be in bad shape. We don't want to need the miracle. We want to be nice and comfortable. It starts, that perseverance, that character, that hope starts with Suffering, suffering, struggles, trials, these things, how many of you know, these things make us strong more than anything else in life. I was thinking, you know, we, we, and when you talk about this kind of thing, everybody loves to talk about working out, but I, I was thinking how when you build muscle, like uh, Aaron went with us a couple times to the gym this week, and he was so sore. And what is, why are you sore? You're sore because your muscles are pulled and stretched and strained to the point they create these micro tears 
are ripped into your muscle, right? And it heals. You want more muscle? Stretch it again. Pull it. Strain it. Make it hurt. Make some of those micro tears, right? It's painful. But that's how it's done. The more it happens, the stronger it gets. I was thinking about, you know, what are the, when are the times in your life that you learn the most? It's probably when you were going through the hardest time in your life, where you weren't even sure if you were going to make it. And you come out the other side, and now years later, you've got lots to say about it because you learned. You found out who you were. Hopefully, you trusted God, and you saw him do a miracle and, and walk you through that, that point in your life. I was thinking about, you know, how many of you remember that person in your life who was really hard on you? I mean, that you kind of despised when you were young, or maybe even when you were older. But somebody in your life, maybe, maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a pastor, I don't know. But somebody that was hard on you, and you just, oh, it just drove you nuts, and you thought, they're just so unfair. But usually, we learned more from those people than we did anybody else. We may still have ill feelings toward them, but they stretched us to a point that we learned and we grew in the midst of it all. Acts 14.22 says, though through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Again, isn't that lovely? Isn't this encouraging? Woo. You know, it really, it bothers me how many people fall away from the Lord they fall away from God. They fall away from the church when something difficult happens in life. They make a bad decision. They get embarrassed, whatever it may be. They have an issue that they don't want to admit. They don't want anybody to know about. It amazes me how many people will, will have, have a rule in their family. We, we, we don't talk to the pastors. We don't talk to the church. We don't tell anybody our business. That's the enemy pulling us away from our life source pulling us away from what builds us up and makes us strong, telling us that our pride is more valuable than our healing in the midst of it all. So number one, what was number one? The promise. We will endure persecution, suffering, and tribulation in this life. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> number two, we must stand firm and not waver. We must stand firm and not waver. This is really the perseverance. We must stand firm and not waver. How many of you know that sometimes things get worse before they get better? How many of you know that sometimes it's darkest before the dawn? Even when we're making right choices. These are those spots, those places in life where we've got to stand firm and decide that we're not going to be shaken and that we're not going to waver regardless of what happens. So we have in this movie, we have in Hidden Figures, most of us, most of us have never been treated and will never be treated the way Catherine Goebel was treated in that moment. And you'll see much more if you watch the whole movie. And just as things get better, just as she's promoted, just as people are starting to listen to and recognize her giftings, she has one of those moments, actually, it's, it's uh, one of the other ladies, has one of these moments where it's one of those two steps forward, one step back kind of moments. You ever been there? Let's go ahead and watch the next clip. Does it matter? 
pay attention now that we're not part of that trouble. Go on. We don't want any trouble in here. Oh, I'm not here for any trouble, ma'am. What are you here for? A book. You have books in the colored section? It doesn't have what I'm looking for. Well, that's just the way it is. Go now, you know better than this. Get your hands off my boys. Don't touch them. You have a blessed day. Separate and equal are two different things. Just cause it's the way doesn't make it right. Understand? Yes, ma'am. You act right, you are right. That's for certain. Understand? Yes, ma'am. I can't remember what her name was in the film, but she um, she was at the library. And they were they were getting they got their first computer at NASA, the the IBM as they called it, and um, and so she was nobody knew how to work it, and so she thought she would get ahead. She runs to the library to to um, get a book on uh, Fortran or Pascal. I don't remember which programming language it was, but she goes to get it so that she can read and still have job security because computers, these ladies who did all this, this math weren't going to be needed anymore once this computer got online. And so, but nobody knew how to run it, so she decided, I won't know how to run that thing. But you see what she runs into there. And how many know, sometimes in life, as we're struggling forward, as, as I said last week, there will always be resistance, but sometimes it seems like we take two steps forward, we're all happy, and then we take one step backwards. And, you know, I, we were promised difficult times, um, but... How many of you know that there's more to the promise? We have to stand firm and not waver because Psalm 34, 19 says, we just read it, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but we didn't read the last half. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. That means regardless of how it looks in a moment, we can trust in the fact that the Lord will deliver us from the trouble, from the affliction, whatever it is that we're going through in that moment. Daniel 1, 8, you know, we see Daniel as he and the, and the other young men were taken captive by Babylon and, uh, you know, they're brought in and, and basically they, they tried to, to, to drive the, the Hebrew life out of these young men and make them Babylonians. But it says in, in Daniel uh, chapter 1, it says in verse 8 that, that Daniel set his mind to not be defiled. This is a moment where we see somebody standing firm and not wavering regardless of what the circumstances look like. You know, I think last week I mentioned, uh, I mentioned Joseph and this, this got, me, got me thinking about uh, how, you know, you know, we talked about how Joseph, God gave Joseph these dreams. Um, of course, he shares them with his brothers. His brother, brothers throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery, right? He ends up in the house of Potiphar. And if you look at Potiphar, Potiphar was a high-ranking official um, just under Pharaoh in Egypt. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the known world. And so you've got to think, with all that Joseph had gone through over the past short period, being rejected by his family, they, his family, his dad thinking he's dead, being sold into slavery, but ending up finally in Potiphar's house and then finding favor there, being made head of the household, he probably thought that God was answering his prayers, answering his dreams. 
He probably thought, this is my moment. Oh, wow. The guy who's just under the most powerful man in the world is recognizing me. He's made me head of his household. He trusts me with everything. God's about to do something, right? Until he gets accused of raping Potiphar's wife and gets thrown in prison for 14 years. Right? What would many of us have been saying sitting in that prison? We'd have been reminding God of the dream. How often, how many times we think that Joseph did the same things? Things went badly, uh, and I can only imagine the questions that he had. We have to remember Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, David is writing these things in Psalms. He's writing them in desperate times. He's writing them when it looks like the enemy is about to overtake the country. He's writing them when they're losing the wars. When he's fearing for his life, he writes things like this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's what we have to do in those moments. We have to determine that we're going to stand firm, that we're not going to waver, that we're going to do what God's word says. And rest assured, Philippians 4.13, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have to stand firm, trusting that God is our solid rock. That he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. Regardless of what our eyes see, regardless of how much time goes by, regardless of what it looks like, we stand firm and we don't waver. My third point I want to make kind of ties in to point two. I almost made them one, but I decided to go ahead and make it a separate point. Point three, patience is required because progress can be slow. Patience is required because progress can be slow. Let's go ahead and watch the next clip before we continue. Yes, sir. I need a cape on the line. Shepherd's trajectories need to be updated. Hey, pause it for just wow. a second. Let me say this too. I forgot to mention. I didn't put it in my notes. But um, as there's actually, this is a very clean movie, and um, there's only there, there's six or seven curse words in them. Most of them are the word hell, and it's not referring to the place. And there are two of those clips in this scene. Can we handle it this morning? <laughs> I actually tried to remove them, and it didn't make sense. So uh, everybody, hang on tight. Okay. Everybody good? All right, here we go. Where is she? You and I are different from each other. Shut I will remember. I see numbers. Black and white were computers. I am color. Don't act like you were there when you wasn't. Where the hell have you been? Everywhere I look, you're not where I need you to be. 
It's not my imagination. Now, where the hell do you go every day? To the bathroom, sir. To the bathroom. For 40 minutes a day? What are you doing there? We're T-minus zero here. I put a lot of faith in you. There's no bathroom for me here. What do you mean there's no bathroom for you there here? There is no bathroom. There are no colored bathrooms in this building or any building outside the West Campus, which is half a mile away. Did you know that? I have to walk to Timbuktu just to relieve myself. And I can't use one of the handy bikes. Picture that, Mr. Harrison. My uniform, skirt below my knees, my heels, and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. And I work like a dog, day and night, living off a of coffee from a pot none of you want to touch. Excuse me, if I have to go to the restroom a few times a day. No more white restrooms. Just plain old toilets. Go wherever you please. Preferably closer to your desk. Here at NASA, we all pay the same color. Point number three is we all pay the same color. No, I'm just kidding. Patience is required because progress can be slow. You know, Joseph, like I said, we see suddenly things going badly for him, him in prison for 14 years. Was he in God's will while he was in prison for 14 years? Absolutely. Did he stand firm? Absolutely. I'm going to read real quick Genesis 39, verses 20 through 23. It says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. 
And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. How many of you know it's in these kind of moments when we find out what we're really made of? When we hit rock bottom, when we're desperate, where do we turn and what do we do? What is our response when life does knock us down onto our rear end? You know, we have the option to um, trust God and ignore what we see. Ignore the circumstances, ignore our fleshly thoughts, ignore our timeline, ignore our emotions, ignore our feelings of what's fair and not fair. We've got to trust God enough to be patient and to stand firm. I was thinking about the things we say to God, but God, nothing seems to be going right. But God, why is this so hard? But God, why don't I see the manifestation of my healing yet? But God, I've been faithfully giving and managing my money well, and it seems like all I do is struggle to provide for my family. But God, I know you want to use me to do something great, but it seems like there's always someone or something standing in my way. But God, every time I stand for what's right, it seems I end up regretting it. We have to be patient and realize a couple of things. One of the biggest things I've learned is, how many of you know God's timeline is not our timeline? And let me be clear in this, God is never late. When we think of this, when we think of God's timeline's not ours, we, we think of ourselves being ahead of God. Yeah, we're, we are ahead of God, and that's bad, right? <laughs> that's bad. God's never late. He's always right on time. So we have to be patient in the midst of it all. 1 Peter 5, 7, I, I like it from the NIV, says, Cast all your anxiety on him. For he cares for you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Y'all know this. Trust in the Lord of all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. I read this thing. This, somebody put this on, on, uh, on Facebook a, a couple of years ago. And, and uh, it was uh, a, a little cheesy, but I, I, thought it really, I thought it really made a good point. And it was, just, it, it was called The Conversation with God. Some of you may have read this. May have read this before. But it goes back and forth, this conversation between this person and God. person says, God, can I ask you a question? God says, sure. Well, you promise you won't get mad? God says, I promise. Why would you let so much stuff happen to me today? God says, well, what do you mean? Well, I woke up so late. God says, yes. Well, my car wouldn't start. God says, okay. Well, and at lunch, they made my sandwich wrong and I had to wait forever. God says, mm-hmm. And on the way home, my phone went dead just as I was answering a call. God says, all right. And on top of all that, when I got home, all I wanted to do was soak my feet in my new foot massager and relax, but it wouldn't work. Nothing went right. What do you have to say about that? God says, well, let me see. The death angel was actually at your bed this morning. I had to send another angel to battle him for your life, but I thought I would let you sleep through that. I didn't let your car start because there was a drunk driver on your route that you would have hit. If you had left on time. The first person who made your sandwich this morning was sick, and I really didn't want you to catch what they have. I knew you couldn't afford to miss any more work. Your phone went dead because the person who was calling you was going to give false witness about what you said on that call, and I didn't want you to even have to deal with that. Oh, and that foot massager had had a short, and it was going to throw out the power in your house tonight. I didn't think you wanted to be in the dark. 
How many of you know that sometimes we've got to trust God and we've got to be patient? We've got to quit rushing things. We've got to be, quit being upset about things that don't really matter. God sees the big picture. And the question is, will we trust him by paying, standing patiently firm regardless of what happens around us? Well, God, you promised me this. Keep trucking forward. God, you gave me this dream. God, you, you gave me this call. Stand firm. Keep trucking forward and know that he has our best interest in mind. Amen? Fourth thing I want to mention, fourth point, last one. When surrendered to God, all things work together for your good. This is our hope. When we're standing patiently firm, our hope is that when, since we're surrendered to God, all things will work together for our good. And let's go ahead, and we're going to watch this, this last clip, and it's, it's about five minutes, so y'all bear with it, but this, this shows where Catherine ends up. Paul, something's off here. These landing coordinates don't match yesterday's. The, the, the IBM just ran them. Well, then the IBM's wrong yesterday, right? And the damn thing's wrong today. Paul, am I right? It appears so. The IBM's been spot on up to this point, John, but we'll run it again, see what it comes up with. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you, Al. When I fly, I fly the machine. And right now, it seems like this machine's flying me. We're on the same page, John. Our guys are on it. Let's get the girl to check the numbers. The girl? Yes, sir. You mean Catherine? Yes, sir. The smart one. I mean, she says they're good. I'm ready to go. All right, we'll get into it. Roger. Sam. Go find Catherine Goble. If she needs to verify Glenn's go, no go, we're staying on the ground. Yes, sir. Looking for Catherine Goble. It's Catherine Johnson now. They need you to verify these coordinates. All right, give us some space so to work. As we await Colonel John Glenn's launch, a truly historic day for America. The country has waited for several months through many failed unmanned Atlas rocket tests and 10 scheduled manned attempts, which were canceled for various mechanical or system complications. Even when all the final tests the and checks are being conducted, John Glenn is ready to board the French Ship 7. But today, we remain truly optimistic, and it's a go day in all regards. The capsule is ready. The rocket itself is A-OK, -okay, and the weather here at Cape Canaveral is Anything from Langley? Not yet. We are being told that the mission control at NASA is conducting a final check of the launch and recovery coordinates, including the go-no-go calculations, so crucial to a safe and successful launch and recovery. After years of waiting and months of delays, Colonel Glenn is finally ready for that space flight that we've been waiting for with so much anticipation. could indicate a hesitancy on NASA's behalf. But let us say without reservation 
that the safety of Colonel John Glenn is paramount to the mission and to the nation itself. No, sir, we're still a go. Yes, sir. What the devil are you doing? Are you taking a break? Bad 14. Catherine. Come on. Sir, we've got Pad 14 on the box. All right, let me in there. This is Langley. We have the coordinates confirmed. Stand by, Langley. We can confirm the go no go point for reentry is 16.11984 degrees latitude, minus 165.2356 degrees longitude. The launch window is a go. The landing coordinates match. Well, that is very good news, Al. It's a little hard to trust something you can't look in the eyes. That's right, Colonel. Catherine did manage to calculate a few decimal points further than that hunk of metal. Well, I will take every digit you got. Be sure to thank her for me. Gentlemen, let's launch this rocket. Good luck, Friendship 7. Godspeed, Langley. All right. Um, Catherine Goebel went on to worked for NASA for many more years. She was even making calculations for the space shuttle program and uh, years later. And obviously she's long retired now, but man, she paved the way for African-Americans to, to have equal rights, uh, especially in government jobs and, and different things like that. But uh, how many of you know, Romans 8.28 says, in all things, God works the, for the good. Those who love him have been called according to his purpose. It's a promise, right? When we stand firm, we patiently wait for God's time. When we do things His way, when we trust Him, when we surrender to Him, 
All things will work together for our good. And I just started looking up scriptures. James 1, uh, 2 through 4. Consider pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces that perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We have to suffer in order to persevere, in order to be mature and complete. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed or perplexed, but perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Second Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And then Isaiah 41, verse 13, For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. What an awesome promise is that? We've got to stop focusing on the things in life that don't really matter. We've got to understand that there's a big, there's a big picture. And how you know it's hard to see the big picture sometimes in things. It's easy, like with our children. Our children are so focused on what that, I I want that, that's my, but we see the big picture, right? It's kind of like, um, I was thinking about, how many of you have ever seen a a really big loom? Uh, I I, I used to go, we we go sometimes to the Ozark Folk Center in Mountain View out there, and we see these huge looms they've got, and it's just, you see just just hundreds of pieces of yarn going every which direction, and they're all just moving, weaving, and creating something beautiful. But, man, I can't focus on any more than one of those strands of yarn at a time, right? But there's a huge, big picture that we can't comprehend, and we got to trust that God sees that big picture. It's kind of like when your kid is saving. Remember when your kid saves up for something the first time? They, they, they really want to save up. They, they want this new bike, and so you're trying to teach them. So you're like, okay, well, you need to, I'm going to help you save up, and we're going to let you do some things and earn some money. But what happens day two once they get the first money in their hand? They want to go buy something, right? And so you're going, big picture, hang on. You can do without that candy today to save up for your new bike, right? But they focus on these. And how, many, how often do we do that in life? We focus on all these little things that distract us, that pull us to the left and to the right. These little things that maybe are a a little painful, these things that aren't fair, these things we don't understand, and we allow them to get us off course, and we're focused on that one little piece of yarn instead of seeing the huge big picture and seeing the whole loom where God is weaving this beautiful picture with our lives out of the whole thing, but all we can focus on is this one little piece of yarn. We have to trust God as he weaves his purpose throughout our lives, throughout all the chaos. I think we've got to stop focusing on things that don't matter. We've got to stop focusing on what's fair and not fair. I, I read the other day this scripture. I, I don't know if I'd ever seen it quite like this before from the NIV. 2 Timothy 2, 3, uh, 2, 23 and 24 says, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. How often do we lose our temper over foolish and stupid arguments that tomorrow we won't remember what that was even about, but we sure lost our Christian witness in just a moment, right? Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. They produce quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. We've got to stop getting distracted by what's unimportant. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, knowing that everything's going to come together when we do things his way. We've got to trust God and follow him. 
uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's glory, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, but this is your true and proper worship. And this is the thing. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. The world wants to give up. The world says it's too hard. The world says it's not fair. The world says it's too slow. The world says my way is better. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The last thing I want to say before I closed is, you know, we're also, part of the reason we're here, we're also called to be an encouragement to those around us that are suffering. I just kind of threw that in last, last minute yesterday. Galatians 6.2 tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what got me thinking. That's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to put the GoFundMe page for Emory on the screen, and I'm going to challenge everybody. You know what? We're called to bear one another's burdens, and thus so we fulfill the law of Christ by doing so. So let's come together and let's do it. We're called to be there for one another. It says, 2 Corinthians 1, 4, says, God comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we are ourselves are comforted by God. We've got to be there for those that are suffering, for those that are going through trials and tribulations. We need to be that encouragement. We need to be there to help them out in moments when they're struggling. Maybe they do need financial help. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe they just need a hug. We've got to be there for those in that moment. The four points for today. We will endure persecution, suffering, and tribulation. It's a promise. Number two, we must stand firm and not waver. Number three, patience is required because progress can be slow. And lastly, when surrendered to God, all things will work together for your good. Trials will come. You are not exempt. How are you going to face them? Scripture I want to end with, I love this, James 1.12. Read it with me on the screen. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's awesome. You all agree? Let's stand up together. Let me get the worship team to come up. Let's all bow our heads. With every head bowed, I'm just going to ask this question. You know, we've been talking about the trials of life. And this doesn't, we, we talked about, you know, it, it's promised that the righteous will suffer. But let me tell you what, the unrighteous do too. Those who are away from God, they go through trials and tribulations. But the difference is, they don't have hope. God is our hope. He is the, that, that hope is the anchor that we hold on to in our life. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ and you don't have that hope, or maybe you've gotten away from the Lord and, 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 and you recognize that you're living life in your own strength, you're doing things your own way, and you aren't putting your trust and your hope in Him, and this is for you. That's your first step. If you want to be able to endure the trials, the tribulations, and the sufferings that are going to come with this life, I promise you, you want the creator of the universe walking with you. 
I promise you, you want the Holy Spirit there as your comforter, strengthening you. You want the grace of God backing you up. Every head bowed, if that's you, and you would say, I've got to get my life right with the Lord today. I just want you to lift your hand up so I can see. Who would say, I need to get my life right with the Lord today? Anybody in this place? This is your moment. That you stand up and you say, Lord, it's my time. I'm done living life my own way. Let me say this too. <laughs> I was at the service the other night. John Bevere did out at High Point. And I tell you what, he's convicting, talking about repentance. We're not saved by works. But let me tell you what, if there's no evidence that you're a Christian, I would ask you, is your life really surrendered to Jesus? When you surrender to him, you cannot live your life any way you want to. Surrender means that you have given up. You've given up your rights. You've given up your will. You've given up your way of doing things. You've given up what you think is your rights. And you've taken on what Jesus took on. That's execution. That means you've died to yourself. You've gone the way of the cross. So when you pray that prayer to receive Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, you repent. You turn from your sin. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Of course, you're going to live your whole life working out things and growing and stretching and, and, and coming more into alignment with him. But you can't keep doing things the same way that you used to. Like I said, you're not saved by works. But Jesus himself said that it's an evidence that you're a follower of Jesus. It's an evidence that your life was surrendered to him. If you're here, again, with every head bowed, if you're here and you would say, my life isn't surrendered to him. I recognize that I've been doing things my own way. I've been doing things my own strength. I've been thinking that I knew what was best. The trials of life were bearing down on me, and I feel hopeless. I need Jesus. Is there anybody in this place today that would say, I need him? Then my next question. I asked a similar question last week, but if you are here and you're very aware of the trials and, and, and sufferings of this life because you're walking through them right now, maybe you feel like you're at a breaking point. And you need the Lord to intervene on your behalf. Who would say that? Who would say, I'm at a tough spot right now in my life. I need the Lord. I need him to come through. I need him to deliver me from this moment. It may be that you, maybe you're desperate for a job. Maybe your finances are failing. Maybe your relationship's falling apart. Maybe nothing is working out. Maybe it's your health. I don't know. But who would say, I need a touch from the Lord today? Who would say the trials of life are bearing down on me a little bit today? I've seen two, three, four. Who else would say the walk right now is tough? I just want, those of you who raise your hands, I just, just put your hands back. Put both hands up in the air. Come on. Come on. I saw you guys raise your hands. Put your hands in the air. Come on. And I want some of you guys around them, if you feel so comfortable, Members of Church of the Harvest, 
Put a hand on some of them. Come on, step out. There's some ladies over here. A couple of you ladies, go over, yeah, go over there. If you see somebody with their hands up, gather around them for just a moment. Guys, this is why we're here, to bear one another's burdens. So begin to pray. Begin to pray out loud. Begin to come against the attack of the enemy. Pray for breakthrough in their lives. God, I thank you that we are more than overcomers. I thank you that that's because you are on our side, that you walk with us. You walk and step with us in this life. And God, when the burdens of life seem to get so heavy, they seem to weigh us down when we don't quite know what to do, Lord, we put our trust in you. And I speak that over each person right now in Jesus' name, that, they'll, that they won't look at the problem, that they won't focus on the fear. They won't focus on the loss. They won't focus on what's missing, but they'll focus on you, that you will be their source, that you will be their strength, that you will be their encouragement, that you'll be their endurance. You will be there so that they can stick with it, so that they can walk through. God, sometimes we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you are with us. You're the light in the darkness. You shine that light of illumination. You, you illuminate the way before us. And I just thank you, Lord, for each one of these, that you would be that light in Jesus' name. That you would just show them areas of their own life or areas in their own heart and their own mind they need to get out of the way. And they would truly be able to embrace you. They'd be able to let go and allow you to do the heavy lifting in their lives. And I just speak healing in Jesus' name. I speak direction in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, they'll hear your voice more clearly than ever before. That still small voice would break through all the muck. And they would be quick to listen and quick to obey. And that hope, even now, would swell within them. I pray, Lord, that they won't keep it to themselves, but you'll surround them by godly people that they'll share with, who will encourage them, who will challenge them, who will correct them, who will point them in the right direction. We thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. Yeah.